Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. And we're going to continue our thoughts of the day as we compare and contrast the full-range life versus the free-range life. Now, this morning we noticed that the full-range life is living in the fullness of God, having everything that God wants us to have. We used the illustration or the concept of a stake in a yard to which tied a leash or rope, allowing whatever is tied to it that much range of motion. One who is not living the full range would be like the dog on the leash that never wants to stretch the leash to the full. He's just content to stay right there by the stake in the yard. He doesn't understand that there's a fullness out there to take part of. We Christians are staked to the fact that the truth is in God's Word. And while we are absolutely staked there, there is a full range of motion that God wants us to have. He wants us to be fully engaged in all the fullness of God, stretching that leash out there, the, the, that which ties us to the stake. Stretch it as far as it goes in order to enjoy the full range rather than just staying right here and not experiencing all the fullness of God. That was the concept this morning and tonight. <clears throat> we look at the idea of the free range life or free range living. I had to do a little bit of reading. You hear a lot about free-range farming or uh, meat that's been raised in a free-range environment. I wanted to know exactly what they were talking about. And so I did some reading about that, and I found out that there is no real definition. Because apparently, as one writer said, the government has not decided to give direct ideas about what free range qualifies for you to advertise if you are having free range chickens, for instance. You might, in fact, have them out all the time. That's free range. You might have them out half the day. That's free range. You might have an enclosed pen where the sun comes through, and that's called free range. So they're not even sure when you say free range, you're not even sure what you're getting. So you may think you're getting one thing, and you're actually not getting that. I, so there's a bit of a tension or controversy about what it means. Spiritually speaking, I want to suggest that free-range living in a spiritual context is disregarding the stake that we have set, disregarding the place to which we have been tied, counting it not as necessary as it should be. 
And I don't know if you will have thought about these things. I have not. And I came across a couple of passages that I want us to consider for just a few minutes when we get there. In the first place, I want to know that free-range living is really, uh, the free-range moniker is really a misnomer. In fact, if, if life had truly a, an absolute free range attached to it, life would be chaos. It would, you can't live that way. No society can last in absolute free range living. And here's how I know it. Nobody even thinks that they can live free range have you ever noticed that thieves expect that no one should steal from them? Now, if you're in a true free-range society, then why not steal from a thief? He stole from you. And why should he be upset? He stole from you, you steal it back from him. It, that's free-range, have no laws whatsoever. Just run rampant. There's no stake, but you see, Nobody really keeps from driving some kind of a stake somewhere. At least, I'm going to drive it where you don't mess with me. I don't mind messing with you, but you're not going to mess with me. So I would suggest that really it's a misnomer to call it free range because it doesn't actually happen. But in a spiritual context, it does. In the second place, the world is still a free-range life. There are two passages that I want us to consider this evening. One is found in James chapter 4. The other is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you want to be marking those, we're going to look at the James 4 passage first, and then we will go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, Here's another thing I am glad about with respect to coming back out of the year and a half hiatus, if you will. You remember how we used to have those TBS nights, those targeted Bible studies, or those congregational Bible studies? I want us to get back to those on the Sunday evening. And this tonight would make a great congregational Bible study. Because I would love to get your input. But since I did not advertise it as such, I will say it's going to be the sermon. And when we're finished, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these two passages. Because I will say, I have never studied them from the perspective that I want to give you over the next few minutes. The world is, in fact, a free range world. Now we're going to study those two passages, but let us remember 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. For all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That's the world. And notice what the world is. The world goes after or seeks to fulfill its flesh and its eyes, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. But number, the next thing he says is, 
And lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. The word pride is the word that means to boast about something. It seems to me that what John is saying in 1 John 2, here is the world. The world says, do whatever you want to do. Follow your eyes wherever they want to go and then brag about it. That's what he's saying. That's what the world takes pride in. Oops, did I say it? I did. They take pride in it. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And they take pride in it. Now, that's free-range living. That's what the world is. Now, having established that concept, we're not going to spend time discussing that because every one of us is opposed to that. We're not going to have any debate in here over, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? We're here because we think that's a bad thing. But the two passages we're going to consider are the two passages that give Christians the greatest trouble. Here is my thesis. <clears throat> the problem that we need to think about is the problem that results when the full range people the church, as we discussed this morning, try to find their fullness in free-range living. Once again, we established this morning that fullness is in Jesus, fullness is in the church. To have a full life, as the Bible discusses, is to be a part of the family of God in Jesus Christ. That's full living. The fullness, yes, staked to the truth of God, but the fullness, the problem comes. In our search for fullness, that we do it through the free-range lifestyle. James chapter 4, we begin in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not even come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Now let me stop right there. <clears throat> when I read this text in the past, I think I've just overlooked something. Because there's nothing here that I would be in favor of, nothing here that you would be in favor of. In fact, maybe like those Jews to whom Paul was writing in the book of Romans, when chapter 1 opened and he starts listing all those bad things of the Gentiles, and they're standing over in the corner going, yep, that's you, yep, that's you, he's getting you. I think I've read this verse, these verses by saying, Yep, that's the world. That's the world. That's you. But that's not this text. Let's keep going. Yet you do not have 
because you do not ask. He can't be talking about the world. He's not telling the world, you don't ask, therefore you don't have. That's not what he's saying. He's talking to us. And he says, you're fighting. You're at war. You're lusting. And notice what he says. You don't have because you don't ask. Hold on to that for a minute. Keep going. You ask and do not receive. Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Hold on to that word, pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. For the first time, I think, I ask myself the question. What were these people ask, refusing to ask for? Now you look at that text for just a minute. And in your head, I want, to, I want you to formulate an idea. He has said, look, you're fighting, you're warring, you, are, uh, you have desires for pleasure in your members, you lust, you don't have, you murder, you covet, you don't get, because you don't ask. Wait a minute, what? What is it that James is saying? He is somehow saying you fight, lust, war, murder, covet for things that you could have if you would just ask for it. Now that just seems a little strange to me. I think the text goes on to help us. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity or being an enemy with God? Here's what I think is going on. Here is a situation that James is describing where full-range people, that's us, are looking for something, searching for something, wanting something that we could have if we would ask. But instead, we try to get it by being friends with the world. And that's God telling us, you're trying to live free-range lives. And that's not right. You can't be a friend of the world and still maintain friendship with God. Now, wait a minute. James, didn't Paul say, I did not tell you to separate yourselves 
from those in the world? Because if I told you to stay away from them, you'd have to leave the world. So did Paul say you can still be friends with the world? And James says you can't be friends with the world. No. Paul said you're in the world and you are around the world. James says, but don't be friends with them. And I'm not talking about kind of friends that says, I know you, I share a tool with you across the, the fence, you know. Uh, we we uh, speak and we're kind. That's not the kind of friendship we're talking about. The kind of friendship we're talking about is you partner up with them to what? Get something that God said you should ask for. But instead of asking Him, you are formulating friendships with the world to get that. And then he goes on to say, the spirit jealously yearns. Didn't God say, I'm a jealous God? He did. And when he put his spirit within us, that's his spirit. And therefore, he wants us. He is jealous over us, rightfully so, in the same way that a spouse is jealous over the spouse, meaning nobody else can have my spouse. And that's okay to be jealous like that. And God is, because his spirit is within us. There's a competition going on here. The world says, hey, here's how you get it. And the Spirit says, here's how you get it. What? What is it that they should be asking for, but they're searching for it over here? Real fullness and real pleasure. Listen to the words of Psalm 16 and verse number 11. It's a powerful verse on this topic. You show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Isn't James talking about searching for something, a fullness that somehow you think is going to come from the pleasures of the world? Free-range living that is dangerous is when the people who live on the full range try to find their fullness in free-range living. That's what I think is going on when the full-range people look to the free-range people on the outside to find what God promises if we would just ask. Let's look at another passage. 2 Timothy 
chapter 3. Here's another passage that I think we sometimes overlook. Now, I've, admittedly, I have seen some of this before, but it struck me differently thinking about this material for today. We begin in verse 1. But know this, in the latter times, perilous times will come. Now, notice this list. None of us, none of us likes this list. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. None of us like that list, do we? But did you notice the next phrase? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Once again, he's not talking to the free rangers out there. He's not talking to the free range on the outside. He's talking to the full range on the inside. And he says, you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power of it. He is saying that there are Christian people who live just like this. You ever met any of them? <laughs> we have, haven't we? Let's keep going. From such people turn away. Here's who they are. Uh, they are of this sort. They creep into households. And they make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. They're always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. These are Christian people. Always learning, but never coming to an understanding of the truth that they're learning about. Oh, they can quote it. Yes, they can talk about it. Yes, they can confess that it's real, but they don't really understand it. They're really not absorbing it. It's not a part of them. Now, as Janice and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Now, let me make sure we understand who this is. Scripture does not tell us who these two people are. But the oral tradition of the Jewish people says that these are the two magicians that stood with Pharaoh against Moses when Moses was trying to get the people out of Pharaoh's hand. You remember? He had his ways of showing God's sign, his staff that he threw down, and it became a snake, and the magicians did the same thing, you remember? And then his snake ate theirs. Those magicians that stood up against Moses challenging the God of heaven, this passage using the Jewish tradition says, that's Janus and Jambres. Now, what do they do? 
they resist the truth. These are men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. They will progress no further. Now, here is what's going on in this passage. Now he is addressing the full range people, that's us, who have brought the free range mentality into the church. That's who he's addressing. You have a form of godliness, but you deny its power. In other words, you know this is true. You say it's true. You admit that it is true. But the power is denied by the fact that you do this instead of that. You act like people in the world. You love yourself. You love money. You're not thankful. You're disobedient. You're haughty. You love pleasure. What are these people doing? Well, they're not going to progress. Well, if he says they're not going to progress further, what he's saying, I think he's implying they want to, but they will not. You know why? Because they're still searching for fullness. The same word pleasure is here. The same concept of pleasure is in this text. And it seems to me that we've got the second of two options. The first option said, in your search for fullness, satisfying this desire that you have, it's a God-given desire for fullness. You go outside and you form friendships with the world and maybe they will give you that fullness. And God says, it can't happen because you become an enemy of God. The second option, in this desire and, and search for fullness, you really want to have a content and full life. Okay, now you invite the free-range mentality into the full-range lifestyle, and you allow this search for things that are pleasurable to end up making you do this. And you know what? It won't work because you're not going to progress any further. I think God, in these two passages, is warning Christians, the church, the full-range people. Don't go outside and make friendships to try to find your fullness. And don't bring the mentality of that here into this arena so that we end up hurting each other and not progressing. In other words... Live the full range life, not the free range life. 
It's a mentality. It's a concept. It's an idea. I want to be staked to the truth of God's Word. And I want to run as far from that stake as I can be still tied to it that God wants me to run. I don't want to stay back here. But at the same time, while I'm out there running the full life, I don't want to reach over there into the free range and say, ooh, that might work over here. Or I'm going to go over there. That's what I think is going on in these texts. So I ask you to consider this concept. Think about, is that what these texts are about? And how is it that it affects us? In closing, here is what I think. I think we're all looking for fullness. I think people in the world are looking to be fulfilled. They're looking for fullness. But they're just looking in the wrong place. They're looking in all kinds of things to find fulfillment. That's why they go there. And here we have what God says will satisfy your pleasures and satisfy your search for fullness. Just ask Him. And now the prayer of a full-range Christian is this. God, help me to find real pleasure in serving you. Help me to be fully engaged, to drink deeply, to be connected. Because we will continue to do those things that give us pleasure. We just will. We'll fight the ones that we do that we should not. And we'll keep doing the ones that we do that we should. And the more we find our pleasure in these things, the less these will affect us. I leave that for your thoughts tonight. If you're looking for fullness and you've been satisfied with the world, God says, I'll give you fullness like they don't even know anything about. That's who we are. That's what the church should be. Let us challenge ourselves to be that way, and let us offer ourselves to everyone to help them find that. If we can help you, if our shepherds can meet with you, will you come as we stand and sing together? We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.